All right, welcome everybody to the first ever installment of the Cues and Answers podcast. Uh, I'm Daniel. And I'm Hogan. And we're here to talk about movies. Just sort of have a good time with it. Uh, the vision of this podcast is that uh, in our modern day, there are just way too many options on all of your streaming services. Uh, and I find myself kind of constantly uh, seeing things that look interesting dropping them in a, a list, a queue, uh, for later, and then never getting around to watching them. Uh, Beasts, not Beasts of the Southern Wild, um, Beasts of, Beasts of No Nation, uh, has been out like three and a half years, still in my watch later list. Still haven't watched it. Yeah, no idea when, when, if ever, I'm gonna get to that. So, that's what this podcast is about. We go through... Watch things like that that you think, that we think might be interesting, that you, that we think other people might go, oh, that might be interesting, drop in their queue and never really get around to watching it. Uh, we're your bullshit sifters. Yeah. We'll do your dirty work. We will. That's what we're doing. Um, also, each week we have a separate segment from our main segment, so this week we're going to be talking about uh, the two popes. Two pops! Which is how we keep saying it. Because two chains. Because two chains. It's great. Now that we've said that, you won't hear it any other way. I promise you. Um, and so our other segment this week is I asked Hogan to compile a list of his top ten obscure, under-the-radar movies from the whole decade of the 2010s uh, that he thought people should see more, deserved more attention, and all that fun stuff, so... We'll do that uh, for a bit after we talk about the two popes. So let's get right to it. We have no theme music or anything, so imagine some theme music, and here we go. Yeah, we should probably get theme music. We should probably get theme music. We'll work on it. Yeah. Well, first things first, uh, before we get serious about it, we made way too many two teams jokes. We made a lot of jokes about two popes. Uh... There's, there's a scene in which, in the movie, uh, in which he uh, plays the piano and, and talks about a, a music album that he put out. So we spent probably 10 or 15 minutes just sort of brainstorming ideas of different names of Pope music albums that could exist. Uh, what, what were some of our favorites for that? Oh yeah, my favorite's Popery. It's your Pope-inspired elevator music. Popery was pretty good. I was a fan of Pope Hugs and Harmony. Uh, the Pope hugs several different people in the movie. Um, I also thought, what was it, Obliged to Bling? Obliged to Bling, yeah. We thought that one was pretty great. Well, because the Pope is obliged to wear a giant gold chain with a cross on it. Just like your standard big deal rap star. So. Yeah. yeah. The Pope's the OG rap god. For real. Uh, but anyway, on a more serious note, uh, Two Popes is not going to be for everyone, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, it's all story, pretty much. Yeah, so let's, uh, just a little bit of background. Two Popes is a movie uh, produced by Netflix. It's a Netflix original. I think it appeared on the streaming service sometime in December-ish. 
a lot of you are probably hearing about it recently because it kind of made a bit of a splash with Oscar nominations. That's why we decided to watch it first. Um, Anthony Hopkins is nominated for Supporting Actor. Uh, John Price, I think, is the name of the other lead actor. He's nominated for Lead Actor. Uh, it got nominated for Screenplay, Best Adapted Screenplay, I think. So it made a bit more of a splash with the Oscars. Uh, than everybody else. Everyone who on Oscar nomination morning was saying, oh, De Niro got robbed for Best Actor nomination are probably pointing to to uh, to Price in, in this movie and saying that's the guy who, who stole his nomination. So. And I'll be up front with you all. Daniel hasn't seen The Irishman, but I thought it was a fine movie, but way too many nominations. <coughs> Scorsese... I don't, you don't deserve this many for this one. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, Jonathan Price. I just wanted to get our facts straight. Yes. Yeah, I'm, and honestly, as, uh, as it appears more and more likely that the Irishman isn't going to win, I'll turn this heater down in case there's interference there, uh, as it becomes more and more likely that the Irishman isn't going to win very many awards, uh, my motivation for seeing it drops dramatically, and I might never get around to watching that movie. We'll find out. But I watched it on a day while I was brewing beer, and I don't think I would have been able to sit through the whole thing <laughs> in one sitting. So I think brew beer while you watch it. That's or good advice. put an intermission in the middle and go take a walk. Yeah, it occurred to me the other day that at its three and a half hour runtime, I could watch it, or I could watch Parasite one and a half times, and I'm always going to choose that. Uh, Hogan hasn't seen Parasite yet, but soon enough he will, and, yeah, so. So, two popes. Two popes. Uh, we gotta give us a little background on ourselves so that we uh, seem legit about this. Oh, yeah. We both have degrees in biblical theology, so it's very interesting to us to see when a movie about Christianity specifically comes out, most of them make us cringe. Oh, they're so bad. And we're also uh, PhD students in English, uh, and we like movies a lot. We watch a lot of movies. Too so. many movies. Probably too many movies, but I'm not really sure you can watch too many movies. It's so. one we can do a podcast, though. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, my friend Sam, who's been recommending for, like, five years plus that I should make a movie podcast. So this first... Uh, this first Issue of our first movie podcast goes out to Sam and his persistent nagging for me to do this. So I'll just trust that. I got asked to get on board and thought it sounded good. <laughs> but yeah, I, Two Popes. I have a few notes here on Two Popes. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I really liked a lot of the conversations. First biggest thing, I don't think I can name another movie that talks as sincerely and intellectually in theological terms. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is a really good we were about three quarters of the way through and I turned to Hogan and I was like we almost forgot that this was like a Christian movie. Like it was so legit in its analysis of of weighty Christian ideas that it was really refreshing. Uh, we should probably say at the outset. We both really enjoyed this movie and uh, if if you're looking for whether or not to watch it, we think you probably should, but uh Here's the the our gen other other general thoughts, but our 
Yeah. If you're just looking for a yes, no, we say yes, Two Popes was a good movie. Watch it, stamp, approve. Yeah. Now we'll talk more about it. Yeah. So Maybe a slight yeah. summary. So for all of those of you listening who aren't Catholic, or all of you who are Protestant and don't listen to the Catholics, um, Two Popes is about, uh, it's a fiction, but it's based on actual recent events in the Catholic Church where a Pope stepped down, which is a really big deal. Pope Benedict Pope the Sixteenth, I think. It was Ratzinger. Well, yeah, but his Pope his, name is okay. Benedict. See, we're Protestant, so I still don't know these things. Ratzinger, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. I think so. He steps down, um, and the interesting point of the movie is that a Pope rarely ever steps down, and this Pope makes friends with over the course of the movie and approves um, the Poping, Poping, that's a thing, sure. of the new Pope, who has diametrically opposed views to his own. And that new Pope is Pope Francis, who you've probably heard about in the news. Yeah, he, he's like... He's made you know, quite a splash in terms of Pope-ness, so... Yeah, he's like the only Pope I can think of that gets categorized as a social justice warrior <laughs> in ways, but, uh... I haven't been alive long enough to see many popes, so I don't know. True. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, so it's about that. It's a, So you have the basis story of these two guys who don't get along getting to know each other and becoming friends, which is interesting. But the most interesting part is that they're popes. They're both supposed to be people <laughs> who God speaks to mm-hmm. and tells how to run the entire Catholic Church, which is the biggest unified Christian church in the world. Yep. Is it up there maybe the biggest period? or? Um, it's, I think it's in the top three or four. Yeah, it's in the top three, I think. I think um, I think Hindu is still bigger. Yes, yeah. but so it's pretty freaking it's, big. It's a big. It's a big organization, certainly. Yeah, so seeing two popes... Um, argue intellectually, theologically, and unabashedly over Mm -hmm. their disagreements on most of the important things that the church is responsible for deciding. Yeah. It's just refreshing to see in a movie. It definitely is. Uh, It was a very refreshing movie, I I thought, also from, like, a political standpoint. Because politics aren't a huge part of the movie, but it was just refreshing in such a divided political landscape to see people that were really, really opposite in their approach still come to some sense of common ground or ability to forge a meaningful human connection despite those significant differences. Um, And I think all too often we sort of have some major difference with somebody and that's the end of the conversation. And this movie shows that 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 definitely doesn't have to be that way. Um, there's definitely the ability to forge meaningful dialogue and meaningful conversation with people, um, even if you don't agree with them on most or practically anything. They agreed on sort of the fundamentals of the Catholic faith, presumably. They didn't really address that. But they had wildly different perspectives on lots of other things. So, yeah, go yeah. on the list, uh, gay marriage, contraceptives, both huge recent issues in the Catholic mm-hmm. Church being pushed a lot. Um, priests being married, I think, didn't yep. come so much in the movie, but was a big thing. And the sort of early 2000s uh, scandals 
of moving priests to other places rather than sort of getting actual uh, justice was a, a background issue and certainly addressed in the movie, but not like a, a prominent factor in the mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, yeah, I'd say the movie spent a larger focus on how the church responds to inequality mm-hmm. in general and the two views, the conservative view of the Pope stepping down was kind of a support the government, stay a church in power where people can come and meet, and the new pope was a little bit more revolutionary of fight the power type of opinion. Um, yeah, he came in to shake things up. So. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. What I thought uh, it was super interesting. Maybe get your take, Dan, on. Um, I've never seen a movie spend so much time considering the question of people listening to, following God's will, and then the practical ways in which those people believe God's telling them to act and how he's telling them to act. And it was just convincing. You were just in the story, going with it. And even uh, as Christians with degrees and stuff... um, a lot of the time I'll hear stories about God telling someone to do something and be like, yeah. Yeah, I'm still, I still, my default mode is still skepticism there. Uh, and it was encouraging too. Uh, one of the sort of plot points toward the end, which isn't very much of a spoiler, but I guess kind of a little bit, is that Benedict, uh, or Ratzin, Ratzinger, has had, the Anthony Hopkins character, has had a hard time hearing the voice of God for a few years. Um, and so that's part of like his kind of reasoning behind kind of trying to wanting to resign. And it's so encouraging because I think all the time we think that all these people in high, high up positions of power in the church or whatnot, like, oh, they're so in touch with God. They must be. And it's really encouraging to kind of see that vulnerability. Uh, it's similar to a moment at the end of the movie doubt, which is another really good movie. Uh, where Meryl Stoop's character says, I have such doubts, and this kind of, she's a nun in that movie, and this kind of, like, admission that um, you don't have to be, don't have to be perfect, don't have to have it all together, don't have to hear from God all the time, that God is still there and still using other people in the case of of the other other pope uh, to kind of bring about change and... um, there's kind of a, a theme in the movie of talking about sort of change versus compromise and kind of thinking about what can it look like to change your ideology, to change your, your stance on certain things without that appearing as a compromise to the world's ways, which is a really hard question and, and one that I think they deal with uh, pretty delicately. So Yeah, yeah as yeah. you're speaking, it reminded me, the other side of that I think that I found refreshing was that this wasn't the cynical movie where I think we've hit a wave of movies and of revival of movies where people in power abuse that power to some end. Yeah. And it's refreshing to see that, you know, because it's a real thing that there are people out there in positions of power who are still good and who still mm-hmm. know when to quit and know when to apologize and know when to step back and change. Um, and we don't get enough of that. I wonder if we had more examples of that, if more people in power might follow that example. Yeah, and I don't know uh, the director's background very much, but 
he his point in making this movie was certainly not anti-Catholic. It, it was probably from a position of, of pro-Catholic, but it was definitely not from a sense of, there was no cynicism or skepticism or sense of like, oh, we don't need a Pope anymore. It was just sort of like, here's the reality of how this is going down. Let's learn from the example of these um, imperfect but useful individuals. Yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to note for the podcast. If you're a Protestant, I highly recommend you go see this movie. Um, most of my life growing up, and my wife, who came from an even more conservative background, grew up being told that um, Catholics either worship the Pope or you know seem to, and that's a bad thing, or that the Pope has too much power and that, you know not following your conscience and letting someone else tell you what's right and what God says mm-hmm. should never happen. And this movie just sheds a lot of light on how people within the church, cardinals, parishioners, the popes themselves, disagree. But um, the pope, what the pope says just is taken so with so much weight that it's less that you live your life this way or you're out of the church and more that uh, the things that the Pope says and does has a huge impact on what the parishioners talk about, um, what theology gets focused on. Um, it seems less of um, like a dictatorship and more of like a, you have reverence for what this person says and mm-hmm. take it seriously. Yeah. So that was interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. And I think all the, all too often the Protestant Church also thinks of. Um, the Catholic Church as sometimes not even Christian, like, that there's a pretty big divide between Protestants and Catholics, and movies like this help to at least break down some of that divide, I think. Um, yeah, you mentioned earlier about how the movie um, was so unifying, and it, it was cool to see a movie where Christians um, were brought together by Christ's love and they could literally disagree on everything except mm-hmm. the fact that they were forgiven and that they needed to be humble, and that was enough to bring them together. And not to force a compromise, but to realistically change people and build friendships. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good movie. I highly recommend it. Uh, there's a lot of it in the second half that's kind of told in flashback. I thought some of the time this got a little bit slow. If we're going to nitpick a little bit. Um, so at times it, it could be a little bit slow, but I think it's, uh, it's worth it to, obviously it's worth it to, to, to persevere through it. I won't say that it's any kind of like enormous flaw or whatever in the movie. Like you should definitely watch this movie if anything that we've said sounds interesting. Yeah. The flashbacks could be a little long, but they did help you to see, I thought it was an interesting and good move by the director. It helped you see that. The new Pope coming in, who the audience, I think, is going to um, revolve towards and mm-hmm. like a lot better than the old Pope. Sure. They get to see parts of his past, things that he's done wrong, how he got to where he was, makes him a fuller character who you feel is less of this unbelievably righteous person, right? Definitely. Yeah. Anything else to say about two Popes? Um, 
I think that's it. I mean, if, yeah. you, if you liked anything we said, go watch it. If you just want to learn about... You want to see a movie where spirituality gets taken seriously mm-hmm. and that's new and weird to you, watch it. Definitely. Uh, yeah. I would agree with all of that. So, cool. Uh, now we're going to get to our other segment uh, in which we uh, just go through some movies that we think people ought to see more. And um, these are from the last decade. Uh, I'll look up years on these if we don't know them offhand. I'll have IMDb ready to go. And uh, yeah, you want to start? So we've organized these more or less what we think is the least obscure, like most likely that you've kind of heard of it, maybe even seen it, to the things that we're like, you guys guys probably don't know what that is, but that's okay. Uh, And I'll try, I'll provide also options for if any of these are streaming anywhere. So I'll get my thumbs working overtime. We should have done this in advance, but hey, it's our first week. We're still learning. Yeah, yeah. Made me also realize we should probably have some transition music in the second segment. I mean, ideally, but... You know, as of not, now, hopefully our content will keep you here. Yeah. The lack of music, you'll have plenty of music in these movies, so yeah. don't get yeah, don't get yeah, greedy. definitely. Okay, well here's my I got my list of the top ten obscure movies from just the past decade here. Um, don't persecute me. Some of these, if you've seen them and you're like this movie's terrible, I'll give you my take on why I think they're worth watching. It's a range of movies. And we'll go back and forth, so it's not just. All your list and then all my list. So we'll okay. just kind of bounce back and forth. I was hoping it would just be me and then we'd end the show. But <laughs> oh. Alright, first movie. This is the one that's the least obscure. I think it wasn't so obscure when it came out, but it's moving into obscurity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people's expectations for it weren't met. I went in not having heard of it a few years later and had no expectations and just was pleasantly surprised. So I think... If you had expectations for this movie and it disappointed you, maybe go revisit it. It's Sea of Trees, made in 2015, starring Matthew McConaughey and that guy who plays the pirate in the third uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I can't remember his name. Okay. But he's not a pirate in this movie. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, this movie came out, um, I think people... Might have been expecting more action. I don't know. There's, there's no action to it, really. It's totally story-based. We have a guy who has a rough relationship with his wife. Um, him and his wife get separated. He ends up deciding the best thing for his life at this point is to commit suicide. And he goes to Japan to the uh, famous suicide forest there near Mount Fuji, I believe, in order to do this. Um, so it's very sad and depressing. That probably put a lot of viewers <laughs> off, too. I don't know if they expected that. Um, and then what, what I really suspect put viewers off or made it move towards obscurity, and maybe this is going to be a theme with me because I'm, I'm like a... His list, is, his list is quite a bit more obscure than mine. Okay. So... Well, uh, but is that... That's uh, why we got to uh, balance them. Yeah. <laughs> this movie takes spirituality super seriously, and it's not from a specific religion. But it is, like, an affirming life force of the world, maybe through some god, maybe not, um, showing this guy why his life is worth something. 
I won't ruin the end of what happens to him and, you know, twists and stuff. But uh, if you're looking for a movie that's sad but hopeful and calming story and maybe a night on a date where you want to have some tears so you can get some kisses, <laughs> I'd watch this movie. And it's streaming currently on Netflix and Canopy. So you can find it on Netflix. Uh, my first movie is uh, probably one most of you heard about, but not a lot of people saw, uh, First Man, uh, which came out last year, uh, directed by Damien Chazelle, starring Ryan Gosling, uh, Claire Foy, lots of other amazing people. Really, really, really good movie. Uh, when it came out, I thought, surely this is going to be a Best Picture winner. This is going to dominate the Oscars. There's no way this will be a forgotten movie. Two months later, it didn't get hardly any nominations, was pretty much overlooked in every category. Um, I don't know why this happened, but it's an amazing, amazing movie. And if you're thinking from Gravity, The Martian, Interstellar, you're like, oh, we're so tired of space movies. This is totally different. It's also not just like just a good uh, biopic movie for Neil Armstrong. It's just a really, really good movie about the collective American NASA effort to get a man into space. So the the full achievement of, of what that means, what that meant, um, really, really good movie. One of the best movies that I saw in 2018. Uh, it's sad that it's already kind of obscure. Uh, you can find it on HBO, so... If you have HBO, go watch First Man. If you don't, rent it. Uh, it's well worth, well worth it. So huh, have not even heard of that movie. I'm yeah, have to go rent it. It was definitely what I thought was gonna win all the Oscars last year. Before the Oscars had no idea what they were doing. So hmm. yeah, more Oscar rage. Yep. Okay, well let's get down to number nine for me. 2017 movie. You were never really here. That's a good one. It's a freaking amazing movie. I think it uh, put a lot of audiences off because of the level of violence in it, probably. It does and have some moments of violence, yeah. Moments of violence will ensue. <laughs> um, and I don't know, did it hit theaters? I never heard of I'm it. I'm not sure. Theaters. It was probably, yeah, it was... It's one of those that might have hit theaters for a little bit, but is... Uh, produced by Amazon Studios. You can find it on Prime. And it'll probably be on Prime for quite a while. Okay. Yeah. Um, I won't say much about it, but it freaking Joaquin Phoenix stars in it. It's one of... I think it's one of Joaquin Phoenix's best performances. It's an outstanding uh, It's directed by Lynn Ramsey, who's a really good uh, woman director. Um, so if you don't know her work, you should watch more of her movies and... It's really intense at times, but on the whole, it's just a really good movie. Yeah, I was going to say, John Wick movies are a fun little whatever, but they're not that good. Like, the stories, the, the motivation's pretty lame, people, come on. This movie is like, John Wick gets darker, more serious, <laughs> and like, 50 times more human. So, um, I don't know how this went under the radar. I saw Walking Phoenix and said yes, and I never regretted it. So you won't either. Definitely. Uh, my next movie is About Time, which I hope is not obscure. I hope finally some people have seen it. Uh, it's got Rachel McAdams and Donald Gleason in it. Uh, lots of other amazing people in the cast. Uh, it's just this wonderful 
fantasy romance movie time travel uh it just makes you happy to be alive and talks about the meaning of life every single person that i've shown it to and i've shown it to many has really 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 enjoyed this movie uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time um it's on netflix and if you haven't seen this movie and are looking for just the most heartwarming kind of romantic comedy but just a movie about what it means to be alive uh you really can't do better than this movie I know this one almost made your list. Do you have anything to add? Oh, yeah. It was on my list, and I, I heard it would be on yours, yep. and so I did, you know, well, I'll mix it up. But uh, definitely, if I have an evening and I want to watch a movie that's uplifting, I'm not ready for something new, this is the go-to. I don't own many DVDs. I own this. Um, and at the end, I, well, we better remember at the end to list all these again so that people listening... That's a good point. Okay, we'll do that at the end. Yep. Uh, so we're down to number eight, right? I'll try to be quick. Oh, you're good. I love me some horror movies. I love me some B-horror movies. I don't think this counts as a B-horror movie, but you can be the judge. It's called The Black Coat's Daughter, made 2015. Debuted in freaking Russia for some reason, even though it was in English, and just did super poorly over here in the States. I never heard of it until I saw it on the obscure horror part of Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, first impression watching it, chilling, no jump scares, psychological, enjoyed it, thought, you know, I probably won't ever watch that again, but I'm glad I watched it. <laughs> Two nights later, was having nightmares, um, seeing weird shit at night, and I am convinced I've never watched another movie that so clearly captured and communicated demonic and pure evil forces and I think it's worth watching just for that experience. It's got the little girl from Mad Men in it as a main character. Good performance. She's haunting. Go watch it. Uh, yeah, she's uh, that's uh, Kiernan Shipka. Uh, she's now obviously also on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. She's really great on that. Uh, this movie also has Emma Roberts and Lucy Boynton who are two other really great actors, actresses, uh, and so I badly need to watch this one, but I haven't, uh, and you can find it on Netflix and Canopy. My next movie is Prisoners. Uh, great movie. Prisoners is a really, really good movie. It's maybe not obscure at this point, I can hope, um, with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal and Paul Dano, uh, Denis Villeneuve uh, directed it, so hopefully as his later movies, Arrival and whatnot, kind of caught on a bit more, hopefully people have gone back and watched this one, and it won't seem as obscure. But when it came out, it flew under the radar pretty hard. Um, I saw it in a theater with maybe four or five other people, and it's amazing. It's just such a good thriller psychological movie just way you've seen a dozen of them but it's just so much better than all of those other ones so not a lot to say about that other than this is an amazing movie that everyone should see if they haven't seen it if you have seen it you should watch it again because it's yeah. great yeah. yeah if you like a good true murder uh maybe like true detective tv show mm -hmm. this is the pinnacle of that genre i'd say yep cool yeah number seven for me uh we have a true b horror movie um 
I can't recommend it enough, though. It's called The Ritual, made in 2017. On Netflix, last I checked. I think it's a Netflix original. Maybe a Netflix original. Yeah, um, it's on Netflix. I've noticed, side note, that a lot of Netflix originals don't get a lot of publicity, and I think a lot of them end up under the radar, and that's sad. Definitely. They've released so many movies that there are some that don't catch on with people, but are really great. Um, oh, what was that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go. But The Ritual, we got a psychological thriller. Main character's dealing with demons in his past as he's on a trip with his friends celebrating the life of someone they've lost. They wander into some woods. You know what happens in the woods in the thriller. Um, we end up with a cult and with a monster that gets worshipped. Sounds like pretty normal stuff, but here's the kicker. The psychological stuff is entertaining and thoughtful, and when they reveal the monster and then keep it on screen, it haunts you. This mm. is one of those rare movies where the monster doesn't ruin it when you see it. When you see it, it enhances the scariness, and I can't really name many movies that do that. Yeah, definitely. So it's worth seeing it just for that. Nice. Yeah, I gotta see that one. Uh, it's been, again, on my Netflix list for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's the podcast. Uh, that's the podcast. Uh, so this, so my next pick, uh, my number seven or whatever number we're on, uh, is a movie called Nebraska. Uh, which was actually nominated for Best Picture, so you might go, oh, how is that going to be obscure? You guys haven't seen Nebraska. Like, you don't, you don't, you're not aware of this movie existing. <laughs> Forget you know about it. Just because it was barely for a blip in people's attention doesn't mean it had any staying power. Uh, it's Will Forte and Bruce Dern. They're a father and son. They're really great. It's the director, Alexander Payne, who made other amazing movies you might not have seen, like Election and The Descendants. The Descendants was almost on my list. Uh, also, um, just an amazing movie about the relationship between a father and son as they just go across the country. And it's just a lot of... It's a rural setting that you don't see a lot in movies. It's a father-son dynamic that's treated with more delicacy than you usually see. There's no real kind of bitterness, but there's still, like, a genuine tension. It feels just like a really good, like, drama play put into movie form. And it's just really, really excellent. I can't recommend that movie enough, so. Yeah. If you want some insights into the struggles of being old in America, um great movie uh just not enough is made about that problem i don't think and it's streaming on canopy so get on canopy and for those of you who don't know what canopy is that's a library streaming service yeah so that should be free to you yep so probably your there's a good chance your library subscribes to it you can talk to them about that if not there's a decent chance your school subscribes to it um if not i think there are other ways to get it like but it's it's sort of a public access through libraries and schools and whatnot. It's got an enormous catalog of like artsy movies from the French 1960s. It's just a really really great resource. Um, and the, so yeah. And for being a public library resource, I mean it's on par with like Hulu for design and accessibility. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, number six for me. Got a 2016 movie, we're sticking in our B-horror genre, mm -hmm. with The Autopsy of Jane Doe. I believe you can find this on Netflix still, that's where I watched it. 
It's been on there a while. It might even be made by them. It is still on Netflix. It is still on Netflix. Um, There's no one in this. Do you like Massachusetts? Do you like witches? <laughs> do you like horror movies in Massachusetts with witches based in a morgue in a guy's basement? It's a legit operation, but it's in his basement. It's a father and son doing an autopsy of a witch, and the witch haunts them during the whole autopsy in their basement. It follows all of the horror genre standards, but then twists the knife and changes the story at just the right places Mm. to make it something that really stands out from the pack. It executes all of the normal things, and then right as you get what you want and expect, they got a little something extra for you. Um, I don't think there's much to think about in it, um, but it's just a cool experience to see someone break genre conventions at this point in that genre in a way that's entertaining. So. Definitely. Yeah, and it's 86% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, so... Oh, it's great. There's good reason to believe that it's a good movie. Oh, yeah, and the kid, uh, the main character is the guy from Call the Wild? I mean, where has that guy been? <laughs> Uh, my next one is a movie called Fruitvale Station um, that absolutely, if you haven't heard of or seen this movie, you need to. Uh, it was the directorial debut by Ryan Coogler, who has now made uh, Creed and a little movie called Black Panther that I would certainly hope you've all seen. Um, it also stars Michael B. Jordan, who was also in Creed and Black Panther. It's about... Uh, shooting sort of one of the first, not first, one of the kind of early uh, police shootings uh, in a subway station in Oakland, kind of before Trayvon Martin and some of these others. Um, And it's an incident that presumably got a a decent amount of press at the time, but kind of slipped under the radar in future years. Amazing, amazing gut punch of a movie. It's like 90 minutes long. It'll stick with you. It's really, really good. Uh, let me look up where it's streaming while you talk. Oh, yeah. Let's see well, if it's streaming anywhere. We've got some kids walking past the house talking very loudly. Yeah. I don't think it'll pick up on the mic. Fruitvale Station is currently streaming nowhere, but you should still rent it and track it down and watch it. Yeah. Go to your mo- local movie store. I Believe me, they're still out there. They are still out there. A lot of them are run by good people. Yeah, they're mostly family-owned now, which is yep. actually pretty dope. And to stay alive anymore, they rent yeah. you one for like a buck or two. So yeah. Go do it. Yeah. All right. I got my number five here. This may be my favorite movie on the list. Um, and I don't think should be obscure, and I don't know why it is obscure. It's mm-hmm. called Bone Tomahawk. It's probably the best Western I've seen, I wrote here, since True since True Grit, but that was a remake. Like, this is the best Western, in my opinion, of the last 20 years, at least. Um, Hell or High Water, No Country for Old Men, those are like modern Westerns. This is actually set as an old Western. I'd say it's just as good as those. Um, we've got cannibals, horror elements, that it's a theme with me again. Um... <laughs> We have Patrick Wilson in it, who I think is a fine actor. Patrick Wilson is great. And we have, um, this is why I'm surprised it never caught on. We have Kurt Russell leading, which I'm just, the stuff he's been in lately has been great. You think about the latest, uh, that Tarantino movie was really long, but he was still great in that. (laughs) Um, But you just, uh, if you like old westerns, or if you like horror, 
or if you don't and you were willing to give those a try, this might be for you. It's kind of long and story driven, but the action is intense when it's there. It's got you on the edge of your seat. And we have a cannibal, incestuous Native American tribe, <laughs> plus normal and like woke Native American stuff happening outside nice. of that, plus the cowboys the way that you want to see him shooting people. So it's great. And you can find that on Prime Video. Uh, my number five is Love and Mercy, uh, which is a movie, is sort of a music biopic about Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. Um, there's a lot of music biopics that are made. A lot of them are pretty bad. A lot of them are totally fine, but not very memorable. Um, this one's really, really good because it shares time almost evenly between his process in the mid-1960s as he's trying to make Pet Sounds, which is one of my favorite albums of all time, and then also a parallel story, um, in the 80s as he's kind of being poorly prescribed by this doctor, I believe is played by Paul Giamatti. Um, and so it's kind of balancing these two different parts of his life. Uh, one story that we kind of know a little bit, maybe, and one that we definitely don't. Uh, it's got Paul Dano, who I think should have won an Oscar for it. Uh, it's got John Cusack. It's got Paul Giamatti, as we already mentioned. Elizabeth Banks is in this movie. I have no idea why it wasn't an Oscar smash phenomenal movie really really good in a genre that's very often terrible um, you can find it on Hulu and Prime Video now I think it went up pretty recently so it should be there for a while so yeah Great. yeah coming in at my number four spot and remember these are ranked by obscurity not our yes. preference yeah, so yeah. these are just yeah the, the numbers we're telling you are telling you how far you are to the end. So yeah, yeah. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, number four for me, obscurity. Um, obscure for a reason. I don't think this is going to connect with many people, but if this sounds like it's your thing, it's a great ride. We have The Beach Bum, a 2019 movie. Follow-up, um, the director who did Spring Breakers. I can't remember his name right now. Spring Breakers also a pretty great movie, I think. I choose the beach. It's moment. Harmony Corinne. Or Corine. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think it's Corinne. Well, we have Matthew McConaughey starring. We have um, Snoop Dogg not sucking at acting in it, which is crazy. Uh-huh. And then, uh, oh, man, we got a famous actress in there, too. You have it says up? Isla Fisher. Yeah, Isla Fisher. She's great. She is great in this movie, too. She rules everyone. Um, premise of the movie... Matthew McConaughey is a washed-up 90s poet named Moondog who's been living high on the horse with all of the cash he made from being a poet. He is the most sensuous, sexual, uh, live-in-the-moment charged person that you can find, celebrates life wherever he sees it. Premise of the movie is him trying to get not washed up, right? Trying to get good at writing again. Mm -hmm. And uh, his wife helps him out with that. Snoop Dogg helps him out with that. <laughs> he smokes literally a wheelbarrow full of the dankest weed. He runs around the Florida Keys fucking everyone. I mean, <laughs> he's doing people in fry, like next to the guy frying your fries on yeah, the shack yeah. on the beach. Um... But it's, it's an insightful movie, is the funny thing. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's someone's ode to living in the moment and enjoying life definitely put in the backdrop of everyone freaking out about the future being ruined and we're all going to die and the world's going to end. It's someone putting a little bit of fun and energy back into the world and it's a, just a crazy ride. Cool. You can find it on Hulu. Uh, my next movie is called Song of the Sea. Uh, this is pretty obscure. Um, 2014 movie made by an Irish animation studio. They also made Secret of Kells. Um, just this really delightful little movie about this girl and a seal and there's magic and it's just a really fun time that'll just make you feel like things matter in the world. It's beautiful in its animation. It's refreshing to see people that aren't... I mean, I love Pixar, but it's still refreshing to see uh, people other than the big boys of animation making these movies. Uh, so just for that, this is a really great um, animation studio out of Ireland that has made a couple movies. I think they also made The Breadwinner, which is another one that I need to see. It's been on in my queue for a while. Um, they usually get nominated for Oscars and usually have no chance of winning because they're up against other movies that people know, but, excuse me, but Song of the Sea is really great. Uh, it's on Stars, which no one has, so no one has just go, just go rent it, buy it, do whatever you gotta do, but it's a really good movie. Yeah. So. That's something we'll have to do a podcast about eventually, is just how how terrible the situation is for movies made in other countries coming mm -hmm. to America as far as winning awards or getting the viewership that they really deserve. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good, that's a good idea for a podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's on the list now. Uh, <laughs> number three for me, maybe one that Dan has on his list, we'll see, 2018's Netflix original called Cam. Uh, uh, the, I mean, I don't think I need to say much about it. It's, Black Mirror in a movie better than most Black Mirror episodes? Certainly most Black Mirror episodes in the last several episode in the last several years. Yeah. yeah. It's about this uh, amateur sex cam worker and just shit goes down. Um, but it's just really, really interesting and packs a lot of punch. Yeah, we get to explore just like Black Mirror the intersections of identity and technology. Um, it's haunting, and I think at the end, still uplifting. Uh, definitely worth your time. Definitely. And as we said, it is on Netflix. Uh, my next pick is a movie called This Is Where I Leave You, um, which is a movie about a Jewish family uh, sitting uh, Shiva. Um, after their father dies. It's got an incredible cast of Jason Bateman, Tina Fey, Adam Driver, Rose Brynn, Corey Stoll, Catherine Hahn, etc., etc. Goes on and on. I have no idea why this movie didn't catch on. I think it's really good. It balances um, family dynamics and relationship dynamics and the sense of like, oh, I, all these people have moved on with their lives, they're all adults, they all have their own thing, and now they're back under the roof uh, in, in this, I think Jane Fonda's in the movie, 
like everyone's kind of back together um, under one roof. Um, they're all different now, you know, family tension, it's sort of a general kind of family tension movie, but just such good acting all the way down the line, such believable sibling dynamics between them. Um, it's just a really good movie, not exactly a comedy, not exactly a movie about grief. It's one of those that I just left the theater feeling really glad that I'd seen, and I've seen it several times since, and I still really enjoy it, so... This is where I live. leave you. Uh, it's not exactly streaming anywhere right now, but go find it. Well, I'll have to watch that one. I have it. You can borrow it. Well, there we go. Yeah. I'll watch it soon. <laughs> Number two on my list here uh, for obscurity. The only reason I watched it was because I'm an English major, an English nerd, and it came onto my radar. Um, 2016 movie called Genius. We have Colin Firth and Jude Law starring. Jude Law plays Thomas Wolfe, who was, and still in some circles, is a major literary figure from the same time as Hemingway and Fitzgerald, writing at the same point in time as them. Um, was actually more popular than either of them for a couple of years, if you can believe that. Colin Firth plays uh, an editor in the movie who is the editor for Fitzgerald and Hemingway and Wolf? What a career this guy Perkins had, right? Mm. Yeah. If you're an English nerd, go see this thing. It's about um, Jude Law plays Thomas Wolfe. It's about Thomas Wolfe's rise as a writer, the editing process, and underneath the subtext of this entire thing is Jude Law and Colin Firth, uh, this Perkins and Wolfe editor and writer, developing a father and son relationship um, and it's just a beautiful touching story especially since Thomas Wolfe's um, major novels um, Homeward, uh, Angel, I think something like that his other major novel are both about um, his father and the lack of a father in his life and American identity um, yeah go see this if you're a movie or English nerd cool it's not streaming anywhere so you'll have to find it elsewhere uh, my next pick is a movie called Sleeping with Other People uh, that I hope, again, is not that obscure anymore. It's been on Netflix for a while, so maybe you've stumbled on it. Uh, it's got Jason Sudeikis and Allison Brie. So right there, you should already be watching the movie. Um, they are comedy magic together. Um, it's very much a 21st century update on When Harry Met Sally, uh, and they make this explicit in the movie. Uh, they make several mentions of When Harry Met Sally, which is another phenomenal movie. Um, but it's just really good movie about relationships, friendship, um, all sorts of the, the stuff that makes up life. Like, it's just, it's really, all, all of the things that one loves about When Harry Met Sally get a 21st century twist uh, in this movie, uh, directed by... I believe it's Leslie Headland, um, a great director. Uh, I'm not sure if she's done anything since then, but this is 2015. It's been on Netflix for a while, uh, so you might want to get on it because it could fall off any time. But very, very good underrated comedy movie um, that not a lot of people have seen. So, And your most obscure okay. movie. Most obscure. You'll have to let me know if this is true. 
I think it is. I've never met another person who's heard of this movie, which is a pretty good sign that it's obscure. But I freaking loved it. It's called Seven Chinese Brothers. Um, here's the thing, though. There's no mention of brothers, the number seven, or China in the movie, and I haven't been able to figure out why that's the title of it. It follows Jason Schwartzman, uh, who's a great actor, and it's pretty much a movie made about what if Jason Schwartzman was poor living in a small town. That's pretty much the basis of the movie. It's got Napoleon Dynamite vibes, very indie. Um, but we follow this guy around who's self-serving and selfish. And by the end of the movie, he doesn't become a saint, but he makes visible, realistic steps in the direction of becoming a better human being. Just works part-time jobs, is a crappy person. Um, I think if we all step back, we could see points in our lives where we were him. And it just gives you a realistic look at can you be a better person? Maybe this is kind of what that looks like. Nice. It is on Prime Video. It is one hour and 15 minutes long. So you've got to be able to find that much time. Uh, this podcast was an hour this week. We'll try and shorten it up next time. But, you know, we're new at this. We haven't we haven't done this before. So bear with us. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed these lists. Uh, I've got one last pick here. So go watch Seven Chinese Brothers. I know I will. Uh, my last movie is, I think, probably pretty... Oh. Okay. So, well, okay. So that, that reaction was this app bringing it up as a 2009 movie. But it only released in Greece in 2009. It released... I'm counting it all the same. Uh, it's a movie called Dogtooth. Um... It's the the first movie by Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, who's gotten a little bit less obscure through movies like The Lobster and last year's uh, The Favorite, which was an outstanding movie. Um, it's a movie about a family. There's some violence in it. Uh, it's very difficult to describe this movie. Um, it's... I, just, I really like Yorgos Lanthimos's just insane, off-the-wall style. Uh, whenever I watch his movies, I am reminded that there's no one else on Earth that could make a movie that looked like a Yorgos Lanthimos movie. Uh, and so I just like it for that reason. Um, it's a weird, weird movie, but it's really good. So if you liked The Lobster, which is still probably... Either The Lobster or The Favorite is still the best way to get into his filmography. If you liked either of those, you might check out Dogtooth. It is on... Let's see here. It is on Canopy. And that's about it. A bunch of streaming sites here that I don't even know what they are based on their logo. <laughs> so... All right, well, I think that's about the end for us. Let's yep. go ahead and go through our... Yeah, list. let's recap the list. So you want to start... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want me to just read through all my Yeah, just read yeah. through your whole list in the order you did them. Here's my list, and we'll do Dan's, and we'll sign off. <coughs> Number 10, we got The Sea of Trees. Number 9, we have You Were Never Really Here. Number 8, we've got The Black Coat's Daughter. 7, The Ritual. 6, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Uh, 5, we have Bone Tomahawk. 
at four, the beach bum, three, Cam, two, Genius, and one, Seven Chinese Brothers. And my list is First Man, About Time, Prisoners, Nebraska, Fruitvale Station, Love and Mercy, Song of the Sea, This is Where I Leave You, Sleeping with Other People, and Dogtooth. And that'll do it for us. Go bless someone this week with some movie knowledge. Absolutely. Watch The Two Popes. Watch some of these other movies. Uh, And we'll see you back here next week. Two Popes!